Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about whether it's really, really romantic when relationships are toxic or whether maybe it's bad. The jury is out, friends, but we do have a few thoughts. Yeah, we're going to try to talk through it. Difficult question. This week on Bachelor in Paradise, the twins finally arrive on the beach. Some solid couples get shaken up. I mean, of course, it's paradise. And the show leans all the way into its progressive notions about how women relate to each other, how women relate to the men they're dating. It's just 1950s city over here. I mean, my God, if there were ever a week that I wish we had our old feminism fails. I know. Like it's every really this week. Every beat on the episode this week was a feminism fail. I was Truly. like having the vapors. Yeah, unlimited feminism fails. So we got to dive right in because there's a lot to get into. Let's start with Monday night's episode, episode 10. We open and Victoria is really in her feels because unless you have forgotten, which you would be forgiven for forgetting, <laughs> she is in the middle of a love triangle yes. with Alex and Johnny. Yes, she is with her buds, Shanae and Brittany, sharing how she feels, telling them basically what the lineup is. Alex wants all the same things as her. He completely matches her list of what a perfect husband would be. She really wants things to work out with Johnny because she just cares for him it's so much. Him. She's into him. But she's like, I have to try to be logical about this and not just make decisions with my feelings if I want to, you know, achieve these goals I have for my personal life. And she's like, it's hard, too, because they're both, like, so into me. Like, Alex is like, I'm only pursuing you. And Shanae says, well, what about, like, can he pursue me? And Victoria's like, I literally <laughs> asked him to. And he said, no, he only likes me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's rough being that hot. It okay. is. It's, it's hard. hard. You're, you're like, please go court someone else. And they refuse. 
Meanwhile, things have deteriorated still further, I guess, between the new women and the original women, or so the show wishes us to believe. They give us this little this little interlude where we just discuss how the women are all catfighting, and it never really comes up again for the rest of the two episodes this week. Yeah, I think this is really instigated in large part by Wells, who is just our resident shitster. We have a clip. Apparently, it's really messy in the women's bedroom. It's like this battle of old girls and new girls. It's the classic greasers versus the socias, you know? Yeah, thanks for that framing, Wells. That's really helpful. He then goes to various women from each group and is like, wow, what's going on? I hear you guys hate each other and it's super messy in the women's quarters. What's that about? And they're like, yeah, it was those other women. (laughs) It was the other women. The other women are disgusting and filthy and bitches. And we're not and everything was fine when it was just us. I think it's pretty clear that what's going on is... More along the lines of people, there are more people and they, because there is this sense of antagonism, they probably are all taking a little bit less care with their space. I think that's just human nature. You're just like, why am I caring for this space when those disgusting other women are going to benefit from my work? Obviously, it's not the case that there's just one group of randomly produced women that is disgusting and filthy, but that is how it is framed it's very bizarre like at one they're really trying to make this feud happen yeah again like the effort is showing and i don't enjoy it the editing is really misogynist like at one point jesenia says that since the original women returned they've been messy and the editors cut in clips of britney and serene just eating and drinking with These comical snorting and slurping sounds piped over it. Claire, women should not eat. That's what we're learning here. If they do, they're always at risk of seeming like disgusting animals who make noise, which in itself is, I mean, if someone can hear you drinking a liquid, you're a monster. Be silent with your consumption. They're ta- really, oh God. They're talking about how there are ants in the shower and that was never the case before the original women arrived. And I'm like, there are crabs living in there. You're telling like, me that you're insects in, like, never an got in there indoor, outdoor living quarters. Yeah. Like, there are creatures everywhere. It is a notoriously <sighs> not a luxurious situation. It It just sucks. And I hate how hard they're trying to produce this. Victoria says to Wells, they're the dirty bitches, not us. And the editors cut directly to a shot of swarming ants. Like the parallels they're trying to draw between the women and the literal insects is really grotesque to me. (laughs) So after we're done gawking at the filthy, beastly women uh, who are just swarming around making messes, it's rose ceremony night. The vibes are weird. It's been a chaotic week. This is the first row ceremony post split week. They're all unsure whether the women or the men will even get the roses this week. Fair enough. Because I can't tell. (laughs) Jesse arrives at the Palapa and shares that Sarah had a family emergency and had to leave. Thoughts and prayers, etc. Apparently her grandmother died. Oh, that's that's so sad. So Sending love to Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. 
He then reveals that there are 11 guys and 10 women, so the women will have the roses. At which point I'm like, couldn't they have just counted and figured out who would have the roses? Also, what were they planning to do if Sarah was still there? Right. I think they did they ha- do did they make this happen? Did the bachelor Yeah, I think there's a down? lot of producing <laughs> happening because things have occurred that they don't really want to show us. I mean, there have been some rumors that something happened with Olu. We honestly, no one's made any specific accusations. We have no idea what happened, but it seems like maybe yeah. some people were were either still there or no longer there that they thought would be. And yeah. so they are kind of producing this on the fly. They have completely not incorporated this into the show at all. So we haven't really commented on it. Brandon made a cryptic hint on Instagram stories that Olu did something really unacceptable. And there was some rumors that Rick got mixed up in it somehow. Were they sent home not just because that was the plan all along to get rid of people that they weren't interested in? Or were they kind of ushered off the show so that it didn't become a whole thing? We don't really know, but it does seem like the most logical thing that they initially intended all of the men to come down to the beach and to that to have that be the reason that there was a rose deficit on one side right they uh, who knows who knows what happened but they have one extra man and so the women will have the roses and there are a couple little love triangles going on jacob has been entertaining two ladies florence and shanae but it's really with, really with Shanae that there is a connection. And that connection is dentistry-based, I would say. They just are both really like flossing and brushing their teeth. And so they brush their teeth and floss their teeth together and for yeah. each other. And this is what the stuff of great romance. Yeah. This is the source of some some clips that they have been using liberally in teasers for the season of Shanae with black charcoal toothpaste dripping out of her mouth. Um, he's asking her like if her teeth are real because they're so straight and perfect. And she says, yes. And he's like, that's fire. And she's like, we have a shared teeth obsession so we can really go the distance. Like no one else here is obsessed with their teeth. Like, this to me is just two bachelor clowns who are like, we're going to make gonna have some fun. comedy together. And you know what? I respect it. Yeah. I mean, of all the things that Jacob and Shanae have done on this show, them coming together to do a weak comic bit about toothbrushing is by far not my least favorite one of them. <laughs> exactly. So. I'm like, uh, you know what? I have been craving just seeing some people having some goofy fun. And at least we got a little bit of that in these two episodes. A brief taste. <laughs> Victoria is trying to decide between Johnny and Alex. She is being pursued quite hard by Alex. He has set up some wine on a daybed for them during the cocktail party. He says she is special and someone, in theory, I am interested in. In theory. It's not really Mm -hmm. in theory at this point, Alex. You are actually dating her. There are a lot of word salad moments (laughs) in in this week's episodes. Yeah. People just, you, you know, you get on camera, you're talking, you panic, you start throwing out 
loose word associations instead of what you might actually logically say. So he's like, in theory, I'm interested in Victoria. He sits on the daybed with her and they just talk about how amazing they find each other and how good their connection is. I just think ultimately it is really hard to compete with an established relationship unless the person already basically had one foot out. And I don't think that is the case with Victoria. We see her sit down with Johnny and they just are so clearly a couple. Yeah. I mean, this reminds me, I think that part of what tends to happen with Paradise over the years, it reminds me of how, (laughs) you know, like in a football game, you might have the choice to do a two-point conversion or kick an extra point and everyone just kicks the extra point because it seems a little safer. But there is, uh, you know, statistical evidence that overall you'll get better outcomes if you just always go for the two point conversion, but it's a bigger risk. No one ever wants to do it. And over time, people just become risk averse on the show because they're like, it is so hard to break into an established couple. But when people try to do it, historically, it makes for like incredible TV. And sometimes it does result in a in a new couple. And but no one wants to go for it anymore. And Alex is trying to buck that mold. He's like, I know she's coupled up, but what the hell? I'm really going to go for that two point conversion. (laughs) Maybe this will be my lucky day. I I've said this before. I really enjoy Alex. And frankly, I would have liked to see him come on a bit earlier and actually have a chance to date around. Yeah. I mean, the problem also with shows like this is that you want them to keep bringing in new people so that the end of the show doesn't stagnate. But at a certain point, none of them really have much of a chance. So you're like, why are you bringing them in at all? Um, so it's just part of the game. It's part of it. Also, this whole thing is very odd given the, um, spoiler alert uh, news that has come out, which I won't go into detail about, that shows some potential news about someone that Victoria has been hanging out with recently. So like that is also feels like it is. Yeah. Rumors have very much been swirling about (laughs) what develops with Victoria and Johnny after the show, and it doesn't look good for their (laughs) happy future together. We will get into it on our next news and gossip episode, but I just have to say that is like (laughs) floating above all of this for me. I've never seen so much off-camera, like post-show gossip become so present in the conversation about a a currently airing show, and it does make our job as recappers more complicated because we like to silo that stuff, (laughs) but it is just everywhere in the conversation about what's happening on the show. So... Victoria is at this point in her life choosing between Alex and Johnny. She has some time with Johnny after Alex and talk about how hard it is that their connection is being tested in this way. And he tells her, watching you with someone else is the hardest thing. I like you a lot. And she says, well, it just confirms that we have a really good thing and that you like me. And I was like, Victoria, do you want to say something about how you feel? She's not showing any of her cards right now. No, she's like, I'm going to really wait till I'm making this decision. Also, I hate that they left the marriage and babies conversation in a really what felt to me inconclusive way. And if she wants clarity on that, I was like, show me more conversation to see how they resolve that. They're giving up on that because (laughs) everyone else on the beach is very loyal to Johnny. Oh, yeah. Everyone wants. I think Aaron is like. Alex's biceps might be bigger than Johnny's. Yeah, cool. Johnny's heart is bigger. 
what the fuck do they know about Alex's heart? What I mean, are they talking Alex about? Seems like a real nice guy. We've never seen him do anything really bad on this show. Like, I don't know. I, Maybe they just both have like nice hearts and biceps, and it's not really a like match to the death. Yeah. Danielle is also team Johnny. She says, Victoria needs to step it up. Johnny is an absolute doll. I would not be wishy-washy about Johnny. To which I'm like, uh, okay, you marry a 25-year-old guy whose plans for his life are to be passionate and motivated about something. TBA. <laughs> like, come on, Danielle. <laughs> also, I'm like, I'm going to call bullshit on that because Danielle would not marry a 25-year-old. She absolutely wouldn't. She just wants Victoria to do it because she likes Johnny. That's what happens on the beach is they all pick sides based on how who's much they like each other, like who's friends, and not based on whether that relationship would actually be healthy for anyone or ultimately serve each other's happiness. They just want the beach to be nice and chill and for everyone to be hanging out and happy. Unfortunately, that is not how this show works. So at this point, it's time for the rose ceremony. And, you know, that rose is still in doubt. A lot of roses, however, are not in doubt at all. Like, basically, none of them are in doubt. So the roses go to... uh, Serene gives hers to Brandon. Danielle gives hers to Michael. Eliza gives hers to Rodney. Genevieve to Aaron. Jesenia to Andrew. Brittany to Tyler. Kate to Logan. Sinead to Jacob. So we just had eight roses that were absolutely not in doubt whatsoever. (laughs) And then we have Victoria. And she gives her rose to Johnny. Florence just has no love interest, really. So she's left with, do I just give a rose to Alex or to Adam, her fellow Aussie? And she gives it to Alex. I guess she was like, I don't care. I, I would don't have loved to any act- of these people. I was like, if there's ever a moment to give me an annoying talking head, like explaining your rose decision, which usually is just filler, give me one of Florence talking about why she gave a rose to Alex over Adam. I'm genuinely curious. Because what she's done is she's actually, she's created a little more, maybe it was just a producer pick that they were like, please give it to Alex. I think they were like, keep Alex on the beach, you know, make Johnny sweat a little bit longer. Maybe we can make some more hay of this. And Flo is like, yeah, okay, whatever. They're like, we're we're not interested in Adam, right? And she's like, no. And they're like, well, just give your rose to Alex for us, please. And we'll reward (laughs) you with some 24-year-old twins later (laughs) this week. So generous of them. And but so Adam does go home. He's so handsome and we hardly got to know him, but no one did. I'm sure, you know, no one did. Michael doesn't even remember his name. Felt a little rude, to be honest. Honestly. <laughs> Date card arrives the next day. The next day. And it's for Victoria. Are you ready to fall in love? The, the producers do like incentivize in a certain sense like oh if you if you stay in your fan fave relationship you will get a romantic date at some point you do get to leave this place and like <laughs> yeah. do an actual activity <laughs> so victoria does ask johnny on the date although i guess she could have still given it to alex cuz alex is still there just hanging out waiting i feel like victoria does not actually like to be so actively in choosing mode and like this she's made her decision no it's like they wanted it's like they wanted to create more conflict but it doesn't seem like there is any 
that's the that's the thing is that she did make that choice and she clearly felt that that was her word on yeah. the matter. And Alex is just sitting there being like, I'm not worried. Statistically speaking, only about two of these couples last. So Victoria and Johnny probably aren't a match. I'm just going to keep hanging in there. And I was like, Alex, I, I think it might be over for you at this point. Whether she and Johnny work out or not, which they probably won't statistically. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that she's then going to date you. Be with you. Statistically speaking, the guy who doesn't get picked at the rose ceremony in favor of someone else, that almost never works out pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Um, I think it's just Ashley and Jared on that front. So. Yeah. Johnny and Victoria put on their little outfits and are sent on a bachelor classic cultural appropriation date. They are greeted <sighs> in a clearing by a man who introduces himself as Raul. He is drumming rhythmically and welcoming them to a Temescal ceremony. They're like, they're going to be doing a sweat lodge sort of ceremony, which is one of those classic uh, things that the bachelor does when a couple has had some sort of challenge or obstacle that then they introduce some sort of spiritual ceremony from the indigenous culture that they, they bastardize into they're a like, way for people to talk about their journey with each other and make out in bathing suits. Oh, there's also something about a sweat lodge in particular that is such a classic, like white people took this thing from indigenous cultures and commercialized it mm -hmm. into a personal growth ritual for other white people. Just a lot of shades of yeah. cringe. So he, Raul uh, leads them in this ceremony, has them share their relationship intentions. And Victoria says, for new beginnings. And Johnny is like, yeah, that one. That sounds good. He's like, I have thoughts. What she said. Yeah. Also a classic <laughs> bachelor greats. dynamic is that the the woman is really into the ceremony that they're doing on the date. And the man is like, this is, this is so like weird feelings what girly. well i feel I like the women intentions. the women are mostly just like oh you're giving me explicit permission <laughs> to to say things about my feelings yeah. great i'm here i'm ready put me in coach and the men are like hmm. i would prefer not to i feel very protected by the lack of explicit permission <laughs> yeah. to share feelings that's where i'm comfortable it's interesting to me to contrast johnny on this date and in this relationship with Johnny, as we saw him with Gabby, which was such a goofy, relaxed, yes. fun side of Johnny. And he talked a lot about how he often didn't feel accepted for his true self that he, you know, hid behind this macho facade. And it does feel in this setting that he is very much behind that facade when we see him that he's like oh i'm the man i'm uncomfortable with all this girly stuff but like i'm gonna fight for her as a man it you know does I mean? seem like he's falling back into tropes that feel protective and comfortable for him yeah. and it i don't think that that's something that victoria really seems to be demanding of him but i think he's internalized it so much that that's just what he's giving yeah and it's also possible that with gabby he felt more comfortable doing that partly because he was pretty sure it wasn't going to work out. Yeah, that's and true. And with Victoria, it might feel more real. Like and the, so high, he's the more stakes afraid. feel higher almost. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they go inside the brick lodge and 
go through the rest of the ceremony. Raul encourages them to voice their fears. And Victoria says she's always been let down. She's afraid of being hurt by Johnny. And he says he feels the same way. And also that he's afraid he's not good enough for her. And she says, you are good enough for me. And they put their heads together and sniffle and kind of comfort each other about their fears about this relationship. Very weird to watch this after all the rumors that have been going around. uh, uh. (laughs) Uh, Which not to put too fine a point on it, but one of the big rumors is that she basically cheated on him and left him. And like, we have no conversation confirmation of that, but like, it's going to make the dialogue around this date very weird, I think. Yeah, and my understanding is that this might be explicitly addressed when they film uh, the reunion special. So yeah, we'll I, I don't want to really dig into that. N- no, here, we just don't have enough information. But Yeah, it's just very interesting that that's the context that it's going to be, that it's, you know, airing into. Right. Uh, so afterwards, they sit together um, alone and... Johnny shares more of his is blah. Johnny shares more of his insecurities. Victoria assures him that he's good enough for her, that he checks all her boxes, which again, he just like doesn't. But she doesn't know how else to reassure him about the checklist. So that's her line and she's sticking with it. And she tells him she's falling in love with him. And they make out. Back at the resort, Logan and Tyler are just like, our boy Johnny, he's a man now. He's out here. He's ready to be a stay-at-home dad. Maybe. He's ready to get a Costco membership. Maybe. <laughs> no more surfing or cool guy shit for Johnny. He is ready to take cookies out of the oven, be his best all-time Johnny self for Victoria. And... Logan is like, Johnny has changed from the cool guy surfer. And he just has to explain that to Victoria. And she he's got this in the bag. Like, that's all she's going to need from him. Um, Can't you be a lovely stay-at-home father and also a cool guy? I'm just, no, just going to say. My understanding multitudes. Well, I, I will <laughs> say from the men around me, what happens is you get married and you have a kid. And then you never get to do any of your hobbies again. I don't know any. Probably because your nag bitch of a wife is always there. I don't know any dads who are always at the CrossFit gym or (laughs) golfing or going surfing. They simply never do any of it again is my understanding. (laughs) They're they're completely homebound. (laughs) So Rodney and Eliza are doing great. They have been attached at the hip ever since Eliza arrived on the beach. I love when they queue up this kind of footage and you just know. Yeah. Production's about to send someone down to fuck this all up because these people are just feeling a little too good. Well, the thing is that whenever they feel the need to communicate that to us at length, that is when you... Because it's not like they're showing us long scenes of Serene and Brandon and how good they feel about each other. Serene and Brandon are flashing on the screen for like five seconds during a montage. And they're like, you know, she's like napping on him and he's eating ice cream over her head or something. Like that's the level of Serene and Brandon content we're getting. But when they're like, wow, look at these two. They're doing so great. Rodney feels really solid about their relationship. They're only into each other. That's when you know shit's <laughs> about to go, gonna go sideways. very badly. <laughs> Rodney is like, she's the most beautiful woman here. I'm obsessed. And that's all I really need. I really need Rodney to explore that a little further. <laughs> but I'm so happy that they are really thriving in this moment. Unfortunately... That's about to change because 
Justin Glaze has returned to the beach. There are no rules. Production is just like eliminations. They mean nothing if we think that you can come back down and fuck some shit up. There are no rules. There's no structure to this show. Who the fuck knows what's going on? We're just whatever will work for maximal um, emotional torture. We're going to do it. It's so infuriating. (laughs) And it's just like, how am I supposed to buy into the stakes of eliminations if you can just send whoever back in? They don't even have to do a good job. Justin dropped the ball. Like, I'm sorry, but he played the game and he lost. Yeah, he did poorly. And now you're just like, I feel like he should come in at the finals. Just gonna drop him, (laughs) drop him in at midcourt. So Justin tells Jesse that he came back for Eliza. I love that Jesse's like, it's so weird. Just you just showing up here without (laughs) the buy-in of production at all. You've just, you've shown up. You've personally made this decision, divorced from anything else. Please explain. (laughs) Yeah, it is the lace thing. Justin, you're crashing the beach. What are you doing here? What is that van that brought you here that's full of producers? (laughs) So Justin uh, gets a date card and he heads down to the beach. The date card says, it's time to find what you're looking for. Everyone is so excited and confused to see him, except for Genevieve, who is just like, that man is a monster because we didn't (laughs) fall in love and he should (laughs) never be in my presence again. But when he pulls Eliza, Rodney is immediately sweating. He's like, I need a drink. And Genevieve turns to him and says, Don't worry. His personality sucks. Like, Rodney and Justin are friends. Rodney knows what Justin's personality is, and he likes it. Yeah. I was like, Genevieve, do less. (laughs) Do less. Um, So, Genevieve is not alone in wanting Eliza to be uninterested in Justin because everyone is obsessed with Rodney and Eliza's love. Rodney is just, like, good vibes. No one dislikes Rodney. I truly don't think Rodney's made a single enemy during this season, even with Lace. Like, he he is just universally liked. And so is Eliza. And so so I think everyone is just like, these two are our platonic ideal of perfection. They must not be disturbed. Florence is like, I would put a portrait of them in my house. (laughs) They're just obsessed. Like, they are that ultimate pairing, like Brandon and Serene, I think, of just two people who not only seem really perfect together, but who you just feel really deserve love. You know, I like like these two. I just like both of you, and I like both of you equally, and you're happy together. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. This feels correct. It's not even that, like, you don't like Justin per se, but you're like, does he deserve love like Rodney? I really feel that Rodney just (laughs) deserves it for his pure sweetness. That's how love works. Yeah, exactly. So Justin sits down with Eliza. He tells her he came back to meet her. He was originally hoping to meet her, even though he did pursue some other connections. And her face just lights up as it does so easily. Like her most common expression is just a luminous smile, which God. is very, very weird. I understand. I understand. I would be taken in by that smile too. I'm like, oh, Eliza, smile at me. Yeah. Once more. And she tells him she's been hanging out with Rodney and she didn't think that anyone else could come down who would interest her except for Justin. I actually do suspect that like, it would throw you if you heard that someone had already been on the beach and you're like, okay, they're off my list then. Like, I'm going to really oh, buy yeah. into this relationship. It's, it's clear that Rodney and Justin were 
the people on Eliza's list. Yeah. And then she was like, so Justin's gone. So he's just not going to come. So why would I hold I'm out I'm not even going to think about that. But here he is. And he tells her that she is the only person he wants to go on a date with. Her name is inked on his date card. And she says yes. But it seems that it might not be a solid yes. A solid yes. She has to go talk to Rodney. And (sighs) I was kind of surprised by her reaction to this situation, which is kind of giddy. (laughs) She's like, I've never had two guys fight for me. And like, I don't love it, but I do. I don't know. It's weird. They're friends. Rodney and I are good. But, like, this is kind of great. Not going to lie. And this begins the first of a couple situations in which people on the beach start to test each other in, like, varying degrees of explicit ways. And everyone fails these tests. Because what happens, especially when you don't have a long history with a person is that you aren't a mind reader (laughs) and people need to actually express themselves in order to get the things that they want. So Eliza basically goes up to Ronnie to talk to him and she's like, I, yeah, I said yes to Justin, but in my mind, I kind of do want Ronnie to just put his foot down and say, you're mine. Don't go. Yeah, she's very explicit about this before she talks to Rodney. She's she's basically almost presenting it as a form of leverage. Like, you would take a job offer to your boss and say, yes. you know, they're offering me 10K more. And you really want your boss at your workplace that you love because it's like a family and you just love it there. You want them to be like, take 15K more to stay because you're so valuable to the team. And that is seems to be her mindset heading into it. And I'm gonna say, as someone who has tried this in the <laughs> workplace, it is a it's a risk. Yeah, you sometimes, just don't know how it's gonna go. Sometimes your boss will just be like, "Well, if you feel that you need to take that money, <laughs> then I respect that. That's a personal de- decision <laughs> that I can't make for you. And I just respect you as a professional so much that if you want to explore that, <laughs> go ahead." So she tells Rodney that Justin was the other person she wanted to meet, and he did ask her on the date. And Rodney's response, I think, to me, is the kind of response we've been encouraging people to have on the beach for a long time. He's like, I'm here for you. That's it. But I don't want you to feel pressure. I don't want you to worry about whether you're hurting me. I just want you to be happy. I want you to get clarity. He's trying to be so, you know, understanding of the process and not make her feel bad about participating in the process. He's trying to give her the freedom to go through it without feeling like she's damaging her relationship with him. And I think that is so thoughtful and mature. And I wish that more men had that attitude. (laughs) Well, exactly. I was going to say, because I think for a lot of men, there is it's interesting. I think it speaks to this confused moment that we're in where we're still kind of negotiating the next, uh, like the boundaries of gender roles and within like straight dating. And you get the sense that Ronnie's like, I don't want to be a person who is like, I own you. I own this person because you're a woman and you have to do what I want. And Eliza is feeling like, well, 
I've internalized the idea that if a man doesn't stake his claim very explicitly on me, that's actually just his way of getting out of commitment. Yeah. And oh, it just was so frustrating to watch. I do think we have a clip of part of this exchange. I kind of want you to tell me you don't want me to go. I don't want you to go. Like, clearly, like, like I said, like, selfishly, I don't want you to go. But that might be what's best for you to truly gain clarity. Like, I don't want to be mean about it, rude about it, hypocritical, anything like that. I don't think you're going to be rude about it, but... Okay. See you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm really nervous. I just wish you would have come in, like, I don't know, whatever. If someone were to come down... Mm -hmm that you were interested in and you would hadn't had the chance to meet them yet, would you want me to no. let you go? No, no, no. <laughs> it's not funny. No. This is such a telling portion to me uh, because she does say what she wants. Yeah. She says, I want you to tell me not to go. And that was a moment where he could have listened to her and pivoted, but I think he was so on the track of like, this is the right thing to do. Right. That he felt that it didn't occur to him to even do that. He just started explaining why he made the decision he made. And I was like, she's telling you to say this. I And oh, it's maybe it not just, too late to just say it. It was just so frustrating for, for both of them. Like, I felt for both of them. Because the truth is there should be a way for people in any relationship to explicitly express the thing that they want. And to be able to assert that you want something without being controlling or without being cruel. And it's like we haven't quite figured out how to do that yet. And part of that is just they are in a really tough situation where they are existing within this world where, like, this is the game. And so I think you're constantly seeing people trying to navigate the bounds of that, trying to be good players trying to assert what they want, but also not be overly controlling. And it's it's like a hard, I think it's a hard line to toe. Yeah, I also think that, I mean, I think in reality, they're both kind of testing each other. And I think that, yeah. you know, she is being a little bit more explicit about it. But I think that in this moment, she wants him to tell her not to go. And he wants her to have just said, I don't want to go. Like Right, and we see this repeat itself even more explicitly later on with um, Logan and Kate. Yeah. And I'm just fascinated by the fact that this is something that keeps coming up. Yeah, the, the women are like, is he going to tell me not to go and, like, thump his chest? And the men are like, is she going to say no? Or does she not even care about me? It's like, maybe you both should <laughs> just be like, hey— I'm really down to commit to this if you are. Can you let me know if that's yeah. what you want? What really made me frustrated about this conversation is that I think Rodney is trying to really put his own needs aside to the point that it is blinding him to what Eliza is actually verbally expressing are her I needs know. from him. And you just want to be like, Rodney, listen to what she's saying. She's saying, tell me not to go. Um, at the same but time. But also he does say, of course I don't want you to go. Right. It's like not both of them are actually saying the thing, but neither yeah. of them are saying it in the way that the other one wants. And so they're just missing each other. And it plays into, as we've been saying, this like really toxic idea that 
men show love by being possessive, by staking a claim, by controlling women. And if, if your man isn't controlling you and limiting your freedoms for you, does he even love you? And there is a way that that can feel like love if you have been raised with that conception of how men show love. Um, and then if a man isn't doing that, you're like, why does he not love me? If he's not doing that, it's because he doesn't love me. But that also does come from like this kernel of truth, right? Which is that sometimes on the beach, if you're not fully into someone, you will say, go ahead and go on the date because you feel guilty that you're keeping them from another connection when you would be open to another connection. Right. And so she, I do understand that, I actually understand where both response. of them are coming from. And yeah. that's what was hard to watch about this. Because you're like, these are two good people who are trying to navigate this in the right way, trying in their own way to say what they want, but also trying to give a long leash to the other person to express themselves. And they, it just didn't quite, it didn't it quite didn't work. work. And what's most disheartening about this is just how quickly this seems to really damage their relationship. This one conversation yeah. that kind of doesn't work. Um, Eliza immediately starts to feel like, I want someone direct. I want someone intentional. He's not choosing me. He's not feeling that strongly about me, I guess. Or he's not he's someone not who committed. can be direct about it. Right. He's not committed. Or he's not the kind of guy who can show his commitment in the way that works for me. And she's devastated. She's in her in the moment crying and saying, I literally told him, tell me, don't go. And he told me to go and I'm going to go. And that's it. And Rodney is devastated as well. <laughs> They're both just like it not okay. It didn't have to be this way. Yeah. Um, and this whole week in Paradise was just an advertisement for couples therapy just like learning how to Look, have more constructive disagreements i was like i'm yeah. gonna sign up for some after this i know i was like i've <laughs> something i've been really thinking about i think we probably should all and take part. yeah so <sighs> eliza and justin leave for their date victoria and johnny return from theirs and I really enjoyed this scene because Jacob tries to guess what they did on their date. And he guesses, jumped off a cliff, skydived, or did trust falls. And they're like, no. And he's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, Jacob. Like, Those were the only three kinds. No one date. ever skydives, first of all, and on this show. <laughs> That's maybe on a, an actual Bachelor show. And those are all basically the same date. So, <laughs> sure. They, they learn that Justin came back. And... On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about what fault this all has for Genevieve and Aaron. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and, like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love Article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from Article, that lovely chair out on my deck, Article, our big console, Article, I'm my bed frame, Article. This is an Article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first Article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we are back, and it is time for part one of a multi-part, multi-day fight between Genevieve and Aaron that really just exposes yeah, some of the major cracks in their relationship and the way that they trigger each other in ways that are not great for either of their them. Their whole relationship is just a fight 
with some breaks in between where they make out. So the first thing that pops up to me as a little red flag is that as soon as Justin arrives, Genevieve is really distracted by his presence on the beach. She is punitively focused on how he sucks and has the worst motives for being here and should go home. He's selfish to be here at all. He went home for a reason. He's actually a terrible guy. And it's like, well, okay, but he's not talking to you. And you can just maybe give him just focus on yourself and focus on yourself. This does start affecting Aaron as well and making him very insecure. They are both fundamentally pretty dramatic and insecure people. And yeah. this comes out on on both sides with this. Basically, he says in an in the moment that Genevieve just talking about Justin and kind of being rattled by his presence makes Aaron feel like he's just like option two. Like like he's with Genevieve only because Justin had such a poor showing. Yeah. Perversely, it seems like he would really prefer it if she were always talking about Justin and how he was like a great guy, because then it would make her choice of Aaron over Justin more meaningful. So I think we have a little clip of what happens when they try to discuss this at the bar with Alex and Wells. So he was actually uh, Genevieve and him where I had a connection. I came in. My connection was well, much no. better. So. There's, there's stuff in between. Victoria came in, yeah. took him on a date, and then we just like right. argued for three days. Then Aaron came in, and then I was like, thank and you. Now he's back. And who did he pull? Eliza. Do they have history? I think you can just hear the clunk of a glass at the end there as Aaron just like abandons the bar without speaking a word to Genevieve or anyone. And it's fascinating to watch this scene unfold because you yes. can see that Aaron is like puffing himself up with like, oh, my connection was just better. And how deflated he immediately is when Genevieve is like, well, also he went on a date with Victoria and then and things really deteriorated between it's us. It's like Aaron is receiving this as an attack on his narrative. And what Genevieve is doing is literally just like, well, you didn't tell the whole story. Let me explain to Wells. Yeah, that she, he also went on a date with Victoria. Like it was a yeah, very like, harmless throwaway comment. You didn't tell the whole story. You just told the part of it where you're the protagonist. <laughs> you're the protagonist of Justin's time on the beach. And then what's fascinating is that he silently leaves. He's standing sort of behind Genevieve. He wheels around and leaves without a word. And she immediately clocks that he's mad. Like, no one else understands what's happening. Alex Wells is there. Is Wells so is confused. there. They're just, like, continuing to chat. And Genevieve suddenly just, like, stops responding to them. And her, it's like the wheels start turning in her head. And Wells is like, what just happened? Did you, like, have, like, a glitch or something? And she's like, he's mad. Why is he mad? What did I Wells say? Wells like, no, I think he just, like, went to the bathroom. And she's like, no, he's furious. He, she's like, I, I, I said something. I said something about Justin. He's mad at me. And like, she's right. Yeah, this I was we were texting about this. Uh, Emma, yes. And I was saying that it reminded me so much of my first relationship and how much we prided each our, ourselves on being able to read each other so well. And whenever one of us was a little bit off or annoyed with each other, 
the other person would immediately know and be like, what is it? What did I do? And then we would process it and it would be very emotional and draining. And then it becomes this thing that can take over your relationship. If you're so reactive to each other's little moods and moments where you would be able to use it as a weapon to be like, oh, if I just say, okay, like he'll know I'm mad and then he'll he'll tend to that for an hour and I will get that affirmation that he cares and it can go both ways. And I think it kind of does in this relationship too. It does. It does. It's, it's very, it does go, go both ways. And like the worst part is that I recognize bad tendencies in myself in both Genevieve and Aaron. And so I feel like especially icky watching some of these fights because I'm like, oh, I kind of get it. It's hard to watch, but what I don't want to lose track of is that I think that while Genevieve is also a bit dramatic and prone to this kind of tendency I just suggested, I think that Aaron is different the way that he always seems to be extremely unwilling to be in the less powerful position in that dynamic at any time. He loves being the one who just is upset and needs to be catered to. But when it's Genevieve, as we'll see later, he is not receptive to that at all. He's not willing to take that moment to cater to her and be like, what's wrong? Are you like, I'm sorry. Unless, unless she is already sorry for upsetting him. And in which case he can be softer because he can be magnanimous because he, as you said, is maintaining control. He's comfortable with the dynamic where he's mad and then she's apologetic and sad that she hurt him. And then he gets to be generous. But when she's upset and he's on the wrong foot to start with, he's not okay with it at all. And I do find that to be really troubling. It suggests that it's not entirely a mutual dynamic and that he really and i've seen this like pattern throughout that he always does want to be in that power position and leveraging it to get a lot of emotional care it's like the way the way that he deals with his own insecurities is to make sure that he is always kind of on top and in control yeah and it does not have great effects on their relationship so genevieve goes after aaron she finds him upstairs at the restaurant bar and is like what's wrong Um, It's funny because I was texting you while I was watching this and I was sure this was going to turn into a massive meltdown Mm -hmm. because I could like, it's like you could sense the worst parts of their dynamic. This one doesn't, thankfully, but I was already like so primed. And I think it's because he feels like he's the victim and so he is able to solicit her comfort and apology and then be forgiving. And in this moment too, he's being like, nothing, whatever. I don't need to talk about it. And she's pushing. She's like, please tell me what's wrong. Finally, he says, it's not your fault. You're just unaware. And she says, well, what am I unaware of? And he tries to explain calmly that he just felt like she interrupted him talking about what a great connection they have to explain that actually Justin hurt her. And that makes him feel like he was the second choice. And if Justin made her feel good, she would still be with him. And he says, I want you to see me as Aaron, not someone who makes you feel good. And like the, this whole thing makes me like bananas because I both sympathize with his concern that he's not really being chosen. And I'm also like, why can't Genevieve ever talk about her feelings here? Why can't, why isn't it Relevant and also, why that can't Genevieve, Genevieve was hurt by someone? Why can't Genevieve tell a story where you aren't involved? Like she wasn't right. even saying Justin deeply hurt me. She was just saying 
there are more things that happened that didn't involve Aaron. And right. that is too much of a trigger for him. He truly wants her to like have a different version of her relationship with Justin where she doesn't feel like it was a bad relationship so that Aaron can feel better about himself. I find that to be staggering. Like he wants her to shape her perception of her own past reality to make him comfortable or at least never talk about it. And like Genevieve, her feelings about her past, though I don't always agree with them personally, are also valid. She gets to have them. It's odd to me that he takes that so personally and yeah, he can't even it, see that he's doing that as he it says it. It doesn't indicate a very healthy outlook. And you also just, you're an adult, you're dating. You have to accept that people have experiences that you're not a part of. Yeah. And they have histories with people that have nothing to do with you and they don't reflect on you. Yeah. And Genevieve of course, also takes this very personally. She gets very upset through tears. She says she's so into him. Why can't he see that? So like the way that she's almost taking it is like, I'm offended that specifically, not that I'm not allowed to have my feelings about this or that, but that you don't know that I like you. And so she's like crying and being like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so into you. Everyone can see it. And he says... Apology super accepted. I just need a minute. And she then, now she's upset, wheels around to walk away silently. And he's like, are you mad at me now? And she says, no, I'm just upset about all of this. And she's crying. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, let me give you a hug. We're fine. Maybe I was being sensitive. I'm sorry. It's a sensitive topic for me. We're fine. Steps completed. Be okay. At every point, it's like, I want to say this for later because it's going to come up again. Everything is on his timeline. When he's upset, everything stops until he feels better. Once he gets the validation he needs, she needs to stop being upset. They've done all the steps to make him feel better. Why is she He crying? needs a minute. She has to be okay. That's how it works. Uh, so she leaves crying. She's sobbing in a corner. She's sobbing in her in the moment. She says, everyone sees how happy I am except for him. And the fact that the thing that she latched onto was, I'm sobbing because he doesn't know how much I like him. That to me was a moment where I was like, this is a girl who loves drama. And I relate because that is the kind of thing that I would have cried about in college and been like, he just doesn't understand that I love him. The world is ending. And it's like, okay, it's actually fine. But it was a super upsetting interaction. And I, maybe she was just, I do think it's possible that she was just so thrown. I think because it turned so quickly and yeah. I related to her in this, in that like, I have, I'm such a verbal person. And when I've been with people who are who do like need a minute or like need space to be annoyed yeah. with me when I want to process it all immediately. It's like that in itself can be, can feel on the receiving end, like a personal attack. Yeah. And you have to be able to step back from that and really communicate in a healthy way about it because like that is a real dynamic. And the problem is that they just, they can't. And I think part of what she is picking up on and why it escalates so much later on this week is that she's sensing that they keep missing each other and that yeah. these dynamics escalate 
pretty constantly. Yeah. I, I They're both drawn to each other, I think, because of certain similarities they have in this sense. Yeah. But I can tell you from experience, you're going to be much happier with someone who is not similar to you in this way if you have these tendencies. You need to be with someone who can show you what it is to be like, I'm annoyed right now, but that's my partner. We love each other. I don't need to make a whole huge deal out of litigating it at this exact moment. Maybe the feeling will pass in 30 seconds and that's okay. And that is just like a much more stable dynamic than being so reactive to every moment where you're ruffled. And like, not even that they couldn't address it at some point, but you know, in this way where he's just suddenly furious and like sulking over this small thing, instead of later being like, you know, I'm starting to feel weird. Like you keep bringing up how awful things were with Justin. It does sort of make me feel like I was just a backup because he sucked. I do think you could have that conversation maturely. And that is just not how their dynamic ever unfolds. A hundred percent. So later they sit down by the water and she apologizes again for saying something that didn't show how she really feels about him, which you should never do. You should never even say one thing that doesn't show how you feel about your partner. She tells him, no one ever has made me feel how you make me feel. And this is the wrong thing to say, of course, because he's like, I know that I make you feel good, but I want to be chosen for myself and not because you make me feel good. Fair. And she says, well, I chose you. And he says, there's a fine line because I want to to make you feel special, but I also want to feel like I'm special too, or like you understand me. And she says, that is so valid. I think it is valid. I hesitate to even give Aaron that, but it is valid. Um, I don't think any of us want to be in a relationship where our only value to our partner is that we make them feel good. Yeah. But yeah. So he starts to tear up. He cries a little bit. She comes over and hugs him and tells him she's special to her. The last thing I wanted to do was hurt you. Aaron says, I like you a lot. I wouldn't be bothered by these things if I didn't. So it's good, actually, if you really think about it. It's super romantic. Keep keep that line in mind for later, (laughs) because this is another theme that will continue to come up. But they they have gotten over this low of their fight. And like any toxic couple... They are now in the highest high. Yeah, they're they more in love than ever. It. Yeah. After this, Genevieve is like, I'm falling in love with Aaron. Who? It's wild to watch this cycle just like unfold in real time where you're like, why would you choose this? And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see. You feel so bonded by this moment. And it's proof of like the strength of his feelings for you. It's intoxicating. But let's get back to a, a love triangle. Let's let's talk a little bit more about Eliza, Justin, and Rodney. Because while Genevieve and Aaron are managing the fallout of Justin's return to the beach within their relationship, Eliza is on her lovely romantic dinner date with Justin and being pretty honest with Justin about how she was disappointed that Rodney told her to go and really makes it sound like that was the end of their relationship. She's like, at least now I know where we stand. So disappointing yeah I think she she has just kind of closed a door she's worked herself up to be like well I learned what I needed to learn and now I'm like moving on and I'm open to Justin and they seem to have like a good spark they're having a good time he's like you know I came here for you like it's so important to just 
to do what you want sometimes rather than only tiptoeing around other people's feelings. And she's like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. Someone who's intentional and direct. Like you came here for me. There's no, there's no question mark on that. And I think that makes her feel secure. It was funny to me or interesting that Justin compared her situation with Rodney to his situation with Genevieve and the date with Victoria. Like he makes it sound like he was hoping Genevieve would say no. And then she was just like, it's fine. And so he was like, okay, that wasn't really how it looked on screen at the time, but maybe he's just trying trying to find common ground. Um, and they do have a good, a good time. I will say that like thinking back to her first date with Rodney, it doesn't seem quite as like giddy and sweet and intimate as that one did. Maybe just because Justin has sort of a cooler, less. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a different dynamic. He yeah. has a different personality, but I think Eliza feels very secure. And that yeah. is kind of what she is, is latching onto. It's just interesting to me because the difference that I see is that like, I can't really read how specifically Justin is into Eliza. Whereas the way that Rodney lit up when it was Eliza mm. felt very telling. And yeah. maybe it's just that Justin is harder to read in that way. I really can't tell whether he's just like, sure, Eliza, plus I got to come back, or whether he is feeling a unique spark with her. Um, Justin gets attacked by some bees. Eliza chases them away for him. They're bonding through trauma, you know, and excitement. I guess adrenaline. They're bonding through adrenaline. Bug-induced adrenaline. And then fireworks. And they off. make out. They make this out. This is... This is rough for Rodney because Rodney is back on the beach really struggling. He's like, I felt a really special spark with Eliza. I'm afraid I lost her. And I think he's starting to be like, maybe I should have been more direct with what I want. Maybe I, maybe in my attempt to be really generous and kind, I like screwed the pooch. Fucked up. Yeah. So he talks to his buddy, beach daddy, Brandon, and Brandon is like, don't get down on yourself. She likes you a lot. And if I was a woman, I would be in your arms right now. And Rodney says, oh, I know. <laughs> Adorable friendship, so those two. And that brings us to the end of episode 10. Let's get on in to Tuesday night's episode, episode 11. We begin with the arrival of Hayden, which, oh, God. This fucking guy is back. Like Shanae, someone I truly could have done without in Paradise. And like now that they're here, I'm just hoping for it to be minimally painful. Like even more, like Hayden has not even a bit of comedic value. I will say that my, the one uh, preference that I do have for Hayden over Shanae is that everyone still seems to hate him. And I do get a little bit annoyed sometimes when the villains get, you know, such a redemption arc and i'm like does everyone remember all the like horrible stuff they did (laughs) um and so the gang is all hanging out around a bonfire talking about who they would be and if they were at high school paradise Uh, high logan obviously the burnout and hayden walks down that beach and he is excited to be here he's like i'm a florida boy this is my environment I'm ready. I have a golden retriever named Rambo. And if this doesn't work out, I've genuinely got Rambo. You're like, we know, buddy. It would be a hard press for a woman to beat out Rambo. But I would like a wife. It would be nice. He's so repellent. We all love dogs. But to talk about a potential wife 
and a dog in they're comparison the same, with Claire. each other, and that they're the same sort of class. He did of this creature on so Rachel and Gabby's season two. I know. So he it just he is so repellent to me. Also, I was fascinated by the fact that, and I wonder if Logan felt like, well, I fucked up on my season, so I don't want to go too hard on Hayden. It's like Hayden comes down and all the men from his season are trying to be so diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> They're all just like, you know, he he's really generous. He spent a lot of money on his dog's cancer treatment. He did, he, he had some, he, he had an yeah. ugly moment. It wasn't great, but you should get to know him. I'm like, I don't know, man. Maybe you warn yeah. these women about the way that he yeah. speaks about women. Logan describes his exit as him having one ugly moment. And in my recollection, it was a pattern of him speaking it was multiple. about the women badly that ended with one extra ugly moment. And that is not how the men are presenting it. But it's clear that they in their quiet way, they're trying to give a little bit of a wink to the ladies that he's yeah, not like, we the don't, best guy. He's not great, but yeah, Johnny you know. says no one talks highly of him. He wasn't a good dude. He made some enemies. Honestly, strong words from Johnny. Yeah, Johnny is the only one who actually yeah. just like says the thing, and I did appreciate that. Again, I think Logan is just sees himself in hated in the sense that he's like I fucked up, and I don't want to be yeah. judged for it. Yeah. I'm going to say what Logan did was not the same <laughs> as what Hayden did. Yeah, that's my opinion as well. So Hayden pulls Shanae first, and she asks him what his core values are. And he says, I have a golden retriever. Is that mm. a value, Hayden? That's just a statement of fact. There's nothing else about him. He has no personality traits. No, he Hayden has no doesn't values. He be just like, has a dog. My core values are like MAGA. <laughs> he's like, I have so a, dog like a dog in place I, of a personality a or beliefs. Yeah. So, yeah, he clearly... that That is the thing. It's like, we do love dogs. It is very sweet to love your dog and to try to treat your dog's cancer. But the way that he is so clearly using his dog as a personal branding ploy because he never wants to talk about anything that might be more controversial. Right. You can tell so that both, both Florence and Shanae pick up on this and then are trying to express why they weren't into it. They were just yeah. like, yeah, he just, he's talking about his dog. I don't know how to, it was weird. It was weird. I don't think I'm into it. Yeah. They they clearly are picking up on something and they're like, we love dogs, but I don't I don't know. Not for about me. this one. Florence says, you know, Hayden's giving me frat boy vibes. Correct. Oh my God, I'm sorry. They have an exchange where she says, Wow, you're really sweating a lot. And he says, Well, that's because everything I eat and drink has so much salt in it, like fried chicken. And she like <laughs> leans away from him and says, I don't think that's healthy. And he's like, Yeah, look, I'm sweating. Does he think that's cute? <laughs> he does. Um, yeah. I. It's funny how, though, the way that people hate Hayden ends up kind of projecting itself onto the dog. Like, everyone is acting like it's so ridiculous to spend a lot of money on treating your dog's cancer. Because they don't know how to say that he just has a very off-putting vibe. Yeah. So instead, they're like, the weird thing is the, the dog. He loves his dog, <laughs> and I find that odd. Well, I think also it's that he talks a lot about how much money he spent on the dog. Like, and it is weird. around huge, like $80,000 on the dog's cancer treatment. And I think for a lot of these people, that is actually a huge amount of money. They're like, I don't actually know how I would find $80,000 to spend on my dog's veterinary bills. So like 
there is that sort of weird class thing that emerges where it's just like, oh, he's just like some guy with a ton of money and like loves talking about it. Right. It's again, it's the way he's talking about it. Right. Like, like you don't he's have to quote the medical bills right. to everyone in it, your first conversation. People that is might weird. find you much more sympathetic if you didn't seem to be bragging about how much money you have by way of saying that you love your dog. <laughs> um, and so Hayden then talks to Kate and she, you know, she and Logan are doing well. Logan is feeling really solid, but Kate knows she's here to stay open to possibility. So she sits with with Hayden. She's like, yeah, I made the rounds from Jacob to Logan. We haven't had a talk about being mutually exclusive, which is another. I think she just meant just meant exclusive. exclusive. I mean, in, in a sense, it is mutual. It is. If you're exclusive together. <laughs> um, and she tells him, you know, you should just shoot your shot. You know, relationships, she uses air quotes, relationships might get tested, but that's the process. And after they talk, she's like, I didn't really feel a spark, but I'm open to a date. I hope that Logan would step up and ask me not to go. To which I repeat, stop testing each other yep. when you have had a five-day relationship. Second It test does not work. You yeah. don't know each other. Also, just don't do tests to yeah. your partners in general. It's not good. Yeah. <sighs> Hayden steps up to the bonfire. He asks Kate on the date. There's this odd moment where she pauses and glances sideways at Logan. Logan just stays silent and doesn't look back at her. And then she looks back at Hayden and says, yes. And it's just so visibly playing out in that moment that she's like, maybe Logan will say like, no, you can't go. But why would he say it in that moment? If anything, maybe Kate would be like, I have to talk to Logan first to right. give him that opportunity. Logan's not going to be like, no, I protest. I protest. Lo- also, Logan's personality is not really aggressor like that is just not they're testing the wrong guys if they're looking for a a really possessive like aggro dude it's (laughs) not gonna be logan rodney Rodney. or logan we do have a clip of part of the exchange kate has with logan i know we're in very different places in our journey you just got here you've been on one date You deserve to have the full experience of exploring what it's like to be in paradise. You deserve all of that. And I've had it, and you haven't. So I want you to have it. Are you serious? Sure. I want you to go. Yeah. I can't believe Logan told me to go on this date with Hayden. I feel like he's not fighting for me at all. In fact, I feel like he's completely asleep at the wheel and it's really throwing me off. I think every girl wants a guy that's gonna fight for her and say, absolutely not. Like, I want you, I will do whatever it takes to keep you, please don't go on this date. But he said, I think like you should make that decision for yourself. So it was not a no, please don't go. I hate it when a man uh, fails me by telling me to make decisions my own for decisions. my own life with complete freedom oh, and lack of it fear. Just, this just speaks to such a bad gender dynamic. Yeah. And yet it also is playing into the thing that you were talking about before, where in Kate's mind, she's like, he just doesn't even seem like he gives a shit at all. 
Yeah. Because he's trying, he is trying to be Stoic. overly generous and understanding. Yeah. And being like, I had this experience. Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to prevent you from doing anything. And she's like, Oh, so yeah. He's like, yeah, definitely go, go, leave, just leave. I, who can, who could even care? I watch this and I'm just like, we're all doomed because we can't figure out a better way to do heterosexual courtship that Straightness does not is revolve a fucking around. Curse. I mean, it's really terrible. And I, I also think I, I see some of this playing out, like the backlash to like the trad wife renaissance, and, like the backlash to feminist norms. Yes. And I see like sometimes it almost seems like women are like, well, the current situation isn't really working that well for me. And I've seen all what these beautiful romantic back? stories about how it worked out before. And so maybe I could have that. And I'm like, no, we we didn't like that because actually it resulted in a lot of harm to women. <laughs> I think and, that there is a fundamental discomfort that people feel in having to navigate dynamics that don't have a clear set of rules. And because we were mm-hmm. in, we are in a moment of renegotiating what dating looks like and what gender looks like and the the way in which we are like playing out those identities in our in our romantic lives there is like this instinct that some people have and that also speaks to the trad wife thing where it's like well wouldn't it just be simpler if i knew the rules of the game right even if those are harmful rules at least they're clear yeah and i do think that like often it can feel like well i'm not getting the benefits like it's not like the world right. has gotten that much safer for women or more equals but i but i also don't get these romantic moments where a guy that i love is also like you're the one for me and like i'm going to protect protect you against all comers and that that one part of it like looks pretty nice at this moment and i'm only getting the bad stuff right now and i think that can become seductive like with the trad wife thing you're like well at least i wouldn't have to work so many jobs like i would just have the one job of being a wife and that looks that looks appealing in my current context. It's ugh, ugh, it's awful. It's, so. it's really awful. It's really depressing. And I am fascinated in, to see this confusion playing out in ways that just damage everyone. Yeah, no one's happy. Logan, too, like Rodney, says, you know, I wanted her to say, no, thanks. I'm good. I've got my man right here. That's what every guy wants. Everyone just wants their partner to stake a claim. Everyone just wants to be chosen, yeah. which I think is real and yeah. everyone wants does everyone wants to feel like they are letting being the good partner in the relationship yeah. and letting their partner make choices that are good for them and yet we no one has figured out how to communicate like there there is a way to say look, if you feel like you need to go on this date, I do not want to stop you. And I want you to have all of the experiences that you want to have. If you're asking me what I want, I feel really good about this relationship. And I think that we could have a great time just hanging out the two of us if you didn't go on this date. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I think also something that happens when men are the ones coming in is that the men on the beach are like, well, now it is my turn to wait to see if I'm chosen. Mm. And the women feel like, well, choosing is the role of a man and to be chosen is the role of a woman. And I still need to see if he will choose me, even though I am the one with a choice, you know? And so it really creates this especially messy situation when it's the women who have the roses and the men who are coming in. Um, So this is 
not the first or the last time that this kind of dynamic will play out on the beach. Uh, their <sighs> date is the next morning because Hayden arrived so late at night and Hayden is putting on those khaki shorts. He's brushing his hair into a neat helmet. Oh, he's God. he's ready to extreme, go out canvassing for George extreme, Bush. Oh my God, extreme Florida Ugh. man vibes. He's you like, could really just see him. He came him. straight from Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. God. Oh God. It's like, I don't want that energy on my escapist TV show. Uh, Kate is confiding in Jesenia about what happened with Logan. And she says he was low energy about the whole situation. And like, Logan is, like, is always low energy. Yeah, Jesenia's like, that's his demeanor. And Kate's like, yeah, I guess. But like, <laughs> could have done more. And she's feeling like at this point, she's like, I'm pissed. It's like he didn't care if I lived or died. So I'm going to take that at face value. I'm going to go zip lining with Hayden. I also frankly wouldn't blame her if she was just like, I'd like to do an adventure and not sit yeah. on the beach. I think that's fair. But it's then it has to turn into this thing where it's like, I'm going on this fun adventure because the man I was Logan dating has sucks failed. and failed. Oh, God. Yeah. But I will say <sighs> it brought me a lot of pleasure <laughs> that when they go on this date, Hayden is miserable the whole time. And oh, Kate yeah. Is, like living her best life. <laughs> Kate on this date. So first of all, yeah, the date is ziplining or as Kate puts it, literally flying through space. <laughs> I love her rebrand of ziplining here. <laughs> we actually hear that before we find out that it's ziplining. And I'm like, they're doing what? Oh, ziplining. That's actually a very <laughs> standard That's a thing. date. I understand what that is. I have done ziplining myself. And so it is always fun. I'm a huge scaredy cat. I'm afraid of everything. So it's always funny to me when people are terrified on the show, like these full-grown adults of going ziplining. Because I'm like, if 13-year-old me could go ziplining, I'm sure you can do it, <laughs> Hayden. Like, you're fine. Hayden keeps deploying the word sketchy just yeah. constantly to describe the zip line. He's like, the zip line is so sketchy, man. <laughs> don't you feel like this is sketchy? And Kate's like, no. She's like, I don't know. I'm having a great time. She's like, I'm thriving. He's panicking. I definitely don't feel turned on by this scared energy. Men should never have fear. That's not sexy. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I think that on these dates, there's always a huge amount of pressure to be game and to not be scared. But if you are a woman, I think that it's typically easier than it is for a man to play into yeah. the like, protect me, I'm scared role. And that's not the dynamic that is emerging between. There Hayden are a and lot Kate. of things I dislike about Hayden. His fear of ziplining is is not one of the things. I I do judge him a little bit because again, thirteen year old Claire <laughs> scared of everything. Did I a just found it kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny. Um, afterward, they relax. He opens their champagne. Kate is like, I don't know about this anymore. I was trying to be open minded. Um, I'm going to keep trying to be open-minded, but he was nervous. He let me lead on the ziplining date. Also mixed reviews on the beach. It's not looking great for me and Hayden. And, you know, Hayden is feeling good. He's like, I know what I want out of a relationship. Someone like you, someone who's sweet with a good attitude. And I'm like, yeah, that would be what he wants a dog. Yeah, exactly. He's like, she is a golden retriever. She's yeah. blonde and she's nice. <laughs> she's blonde. She's smiling. <laughs> If she would give me kisses, too, I'm sure we would be in business. Um, and so he tells her about his golden retriever. <laughs> and the six figures. It's up to six digits now that he has spent on radiation to keep his dog alive for another year or so. 
And he says, I would do it again. Kate's reaction to this, again, is like six figures. Like, I love dogs, but I don't have six figures lying around. So unless he has a tree growing money in his backyard, his priorities are misaligned. Like you've got, you're looking at this guy and you're like, either he has so much money that six figures doesn't seem like that much or, which is like, that might be a weird dynamic or he spent all of his money money. on this. And that is maybe not something I want to opt into. I wonder how dog people are feeling about this episode, but you know, we all love dogs, not as much as Hayden loves Rambo. So Hayden then takes it to another level. Incredible self-own almost immediately. This man, he doesn't need more than like three hours to just put his foot in it and be like, yeah, I said all these horrible things, but like no big, right? He says, yeah, I call Gabby rough around the edges. And it's just because I've dated serious women in the past. And Gabby is so goofy. Kate Kate is visibly shocked. And (laughs) so he's like, I'm going to keep telling her about more shit that I did. I think we actually have a clip of some of this exchange. They said that I called my ex hotter than both of the bachelorettes. Did you? I don't know. And it was not like I was being a I was joking with another guy about your ex being hotter. Yeah, and I, I'm not even sure I said it in that aspect. But you think that you said it? I probably did. I don't yeah. remember. I just don't remember. Uh, I don't know. It's not, it's not the best look. Oh, my eyes have been opened. I have truly seen the other side. I might have made a critical error going on this date with Hayden. I'm a very nice guy. Like, I'm not, like, I'm a super nice guy. Yeah. I think I just got a super solid taste of why the reviews were so mixed. In my opinion, to be just frank with you, mm-hmm. I don't think Rachel and Gabby were there for the right reasons. Again, no need for him to say any of this. He was just like, I volunteer. She's all not this hiding her reaction. She's making all of the noises that if your friend says that to you when you're telling them like, something that you did, you're like, oh my God, did I really fuck up? Like she's like, oh, I, I don't know she's about like, that. So, so you did, you do think you said that. Yeah, he's it like, was, it was oh, <laughs> they said that I call my ex hotter than them. And she says, did you? And he says, I don't know, which first of all means yes. Like if you <laughs> didn't say yes. it, you would have denied it. He also it. says, I don't know. And then says, I was joking with another right. guy. <laughs> One second ago, it's, I don't know. Now it's like, I wasn't being an asshole when I said it, which I did. Maybe I think he's like probably. one second away from being like it was just locker room talk. <laughs> I know. Like, how can you say that in a way that's not being an asshole? There is no way. And Kate is just like, wait, oh, I have I hmm. Yeah. I now understand and I don't wish to be here. It was it was giving me extreme Raven responding to Bartice vibes yeah. where a woman is just like yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And just letting a man hang We've himself. been watching Love is Blind. It's true. We, yes, we I have mean, been watching Love is Blind. Even just what happened with Rachel. Like, Rachel gave Hayden another chance after he had been awful to Gabby. And then within, like, two episodes, she was getting it directly herself. And she was like, oh, my God. I can't. And we're seeing the same thing now with Kate, where she's like, oh, my God. Like, I gave him one chance. He's like, I'm such a nice guy. Um, these women are have 
not, you know, really bad intentions. If and you say to someone you're on a date with, I'm my a really nice guy, and their response is, <laughs> they do not think you're a nice guy at all. So that's going poorly, which is the reason that on one level, I'm almost okay with Hayden being back. I'm delighted by how poorly this went. At least he's coming off so badly. Um, Justin and Eliza and Rodney are still sorting out their love triangle back on the beach. Justin and Eliza are hanging out a lot. They're in that honeymoon phase, that first one or two days on the beach before things go awry. She is. She's... I mean, Eliza always just looks perfect. She's one of those people who seems to be completely unaffected by humidity or the heat or anything. And she's always just, like, glowing. And they're just, like, radiating contentment. They're snuggling up on daybeds, chatting. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be tough with Rodney, but I'm excited. Like, I feel really good about this. He asks if she needs space to help with her anxiety over the situation. She's like, no, no space. I want affirmation. He's like, perfect. I'm going to tell you and show you how I feel. And she's like, great. Thank you. Rodney is sort of watching all of this because they're all on the same, like, 100 square feet. And he is struggling. He's like, I I felt like she was my potential fiancé. And now because of Justin... Who knows? Uh, this really is going to suck. Oh, everyone is stressing out. They're like, I have these two nice friends and it's not going to go well for one of them. Logan says, if Rodney goes home, I'm going to have a heart attack. If Justin goes home, I'm going to have a stroke. Either way, I'm going to need an ambulance. This is why Logan is always being so low energy. <laughs> He's like doing constant mindfulness meditation in order He's to like, protect I'm trying himself. not to have a heart event. Yeah. He's like, I'm just trying to lie very still so that I don't overheat from just the sheer drama of the situation. So Justin tells Andrew and Michael, uh, they all were on Katie's season together, their buddies, He's like, things went really well with Eliza. We kissed under the fireworks. And Andrew's like, oh, under the fireworks. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> They're clearly all like still rooting for Rodney, which must be a little weird for Justin, who's <laughs> like, we're like best friends. <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. We have a clip of what Andrew says about his best friend, Justin, in an ITM. I'll say this. Rodney's the best pick, Okay. He's going to do everything he can to make her happy. Justin's the shiny object. Pretty, outgoing, fun, but Rodney's more ready like to do the real thing. Rough assessment. <laughs> Who better to give a, an honest and realistic evaluation of Justin than one of his closest friends? I Andrew. know. He's like, look, we all love Justin. He's but so fun. He's so perfect. pretty. <laughs> But is he going to do anything to make you happy, ladies? Is he ready for real commitment? Mm. <laughs> Not from what I've seen. Very rough stuff for, for Justin in this moment. Also just really shows how how good Rodney's vibe oh, is. Oh, yeah. Rodney is just so beloved. Like, he is best friends with everyone. Like, he wasn't everyone. on the same season as any of these guys, but he's clearly become like everyone's best friend justin is like rodney is one of my best friends i need to talk to him now about this and they sit down together and rodney tells him like he was excited to see justin get there you're my boy like so happy but 
you know, Eliza is all I want. And I'm not interested in any other women who might come. And Justin says, oh, it's tough. I'm in the same boat. Eliza is what I'm here for. And they're both like, ooh, okay, great. Anyway. There's just no good way out of this. Yeah. Again, I'm just like, in the real world, you just wouldn't hope, like, you would really go out of your way to not end up in the situation where you both are open to dating a girl and then you realize you're both really into her and then you just keep dating her. <laughs> There's more space to be like, you take, you go ahead with that and I'm going to not try to pursue my friend's new girlfriend. But this is this is what the beach does for our entertainment. Rodney decides it's time for a last-ditch effort for Eliza. So he grabs her to talk on a day bed and tells her that he will do whatever he can to show her that he only wants her, no one else who's coming down the stairs. And Eliza just kind of looks annoyed. It really does seem like she has. It feels like she's kind of moved on. She's like, you didn't do what I needed in the moment. And now that I've already made this new connection. So like we're we're not in the same place that we were 24 hours ago. Too little, too late. She's like, I told you to say this to me. I told you to, to what to say. And you didn't. I would have said no to the date. And he says, well, I thought your decision was made. And she's like, no, it would have been a short conversation if you had just told me not to go. That was what I wanted. And poor Rodney is trying to He's pick like, up well, the what pieces. what can I do now? He's like, moving forward is what matters. It's not too late. I'll do anything to show you. And she she's kind of like, it is. If that were true, you would have asked me not to go. I, <sighs> In this moment, I started to feel my sympathies just like transferring to Rodney because it just seems so harsh that like it's not because he wasn't really focused on her that he made that decision and so it doesn't feel fair to attribute it to that I think the truth is it's like she now likes someone else too so she's conflicted it's not that he actually did something so wrong it's that she gave herself which is fair the space to be open to someone else. And now she doesn't know who she likes better. Yeah. And if she had gone on the date and she wasn't that into Justin and then Rodney had said, I'm sorry, I didn't it fairly represent how committed very... I am to you. It would have been a different conversation. Yeah, exactly. Um, it does seem hard on Rodney, but it's clear that it just, the situation just set a whole shift in the dynamic in motion. Exactly. And she's just not feeling what he wants her to feel. And, she also just seems, but she's like, you didn't seem stressed when I left. You were smiling. And he says, I didn't want to make a scene. And she says, I know you're the nice guy, but I want someone who cares enough about me to make a scene sometimes. No, this no. is a bad attitude. It's, it's not, not healthy. Love doesn't mean more when you are angry and disruptive about it. Yeah. Like it just simply doesn't. And that's a really toxic idea and it just, to perpetuate. It's, it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, ta- it's unsettling because then you end up what prioritizing a relationship with someone who doesn't know how to control their space. own feelings, yeah. give you space, like respect, uh, you know, other people's needs and boundaries and that's all justified by their their love for you that might be really appealing right now when you're young and freshly into each other but it can turn into something that is not going to be so cute really dark and it also upsets me the idea that in airing these conversations in this way that the show is sending a message to men and boys that like 
it's actually bad to give a partner yeah. space. And they tried to respect these kind. women's wishes and look what happened to them. It just upsets me. Yeah. And that's not like on Eliza as an individual. It's just this goes to millions of people. And so I'm fundamentally feeling uncomfortable with the fraught dynamics that we are seeing brought up. Yeah, absolutely. So he presses her for an answer on where they stand and what he can do moving forward. And this also really bothers her. She she doesn't want the pressure of having to answer right away. She doesn't want to have to tell him what to do. And finally, Rodney at a loss is just like, well, did you think about me on the date? And she's like, yeah, of course. We talked about you. I thought about you. Everything was perfect before. Now my guard is up with you. And that doesn't mean I didn't think about you. And he says, well, I want to get back to being perfect together and I'm going to make it happen. And she gives him a long hug. He decides there's definitely still hope. And then Eliza heads back over to hang out with Justin and they just like start making out and everyone is in shock. Uh, And uh, on that note, we are going to take a quick break to process this shift. (laughs) And when we get back, some twins join us on the beach. Can you keep up? I like I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. And we're back. It's time for twins. Twin time. Twin time. You know what? I am ready for some goofy joy and Justin and Joey the twin and the other twin from Gabby and Rachel's season are here to deliver. Yes. They have spent roughly six hours filming this show, this franchise previously. <laughs> They're here. Little green like, still. Our second showing will last longer. <laughs> it would be hard for it to be shorter. Um, they show up in matching gray tanks and they insist to Jesse that it was unplanned They're like, we packed separate. We went to different stores. We don't know how this happened. Do we believe them? No. No. (laughs) But they do helpfully wear different color necklaces. Yes. Gold for Justin, silver for Joey. They are identical necklaces, but they are in different kinds of metals. (laughs) (laughs) And they hit the beach and... Everyone immediately just starts being weird about how they're twins. <laughs> this is, I think, also um, made even more clear because so many of the women who are still open are in their 30s. And Joey and Justin are 24, which quickly gets downgraded to 23. Yeah, everyone has decided they're 23 for I think it's because uh, men like Logan and who is 26 and Johnny, who is 25 want to be like, we are definitely a completely different generation than these guys. There is no chance that we would have all been in the same fifth grade class whatsoever. (laughs) We're different ages for sure. And, and also they're twins. They're male twins. People are weirder about that. I think, or they're differently weird about it. Um, instead of immediately sexualizing how they're twins, everyone starts sort of infantilizing them. Um, it is less sexy to be a sexy baby when you're a boy. Apparently, it's disturbing uh, to learn. I think we have a clip of some of the jokes that are made about this arrival. We don't know a whole lot about them. They left the first night like super early. Into Did they? It. I think I think they were just very like weirded out that they were twins there. Oh, snap. Sorry, I have to go on it. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. Joey, huh? That's my girl. I sort of know the twins. A couple of young dudes still learning the ways of the world. Is this first day of school? Is their mom going to pick them up afterwards? I'm not sure how this is going to work. Logan is two years older than them. (laughs) Johnny is one year older and Logan is two years older. I'm going to keep repeating this. It's so bizarre. Um, 
Aaron says that if Genevieve swerved him for one of the twins, he'd have to turn in his man card. He's no, you're no longer a man if I, I get a woman that they, dates a twin after you. <laughs> I get that they are, they do on the read, younger side. They read as young. They do read very young. I will say. I do think that there is also something. Well, it's both in how they read as young and in how they are twins that. Where it, if it were women who read as pretty young and were twins, I it think would be we, sexy. It would be sexy, and instead, people are talking about them as if they're truly children. Like they're twins; they're wearing little outfits. It's like they're still like six years old, and that's not sexy. But if it were women, if they were wearing ma- matching outfits and they seemed young, I mean, then it would be like sexy. And Emily I'm like, what does that say Haley? about why we find female twins sexy? Is there like? Emily and Haley Ferguson were definitely around the same age as Joey and Justin when they were on The Bachelor. Yeah, absolutely. If not younger. And women who are this age are on the show all the time. These guys are barely younger than most of the women. It all just, I'm sorry, it smacks of gender. It's like when a guy on this show has the audacity to like be under 25 seem boyish in any way have a twin brother who like i guess reminds you that they come from the same family and have parents and like used to go to school in some weird way like that is off-putting and unsexy but if it were women it would be the most sexy thing you could ever imagine for her to be 23 and, and a twin who has a mommy and daddy that love her. It's just like the the dynamics of it like really I mean, made me think Serena about how much Pitt young women literally and- turned 24 while on the beach yeah. last year. Yeah. And she is now married to Joe Amabile, who is 36. Yeah. I'm not trying to shit on them. I'm just saying. No, there's just nothing. It is so, it's such an odd gender dynamic, the way that we like treat men and women so differently in this way. Yeah. The, it, it really just the more they acted like it was bizarre that these guys were 24 and had a twin, the more it struck me that no one has this reaction at all to a woman on the beach who is that age or who is a twin. And what does that say about what we find attractive in women (laughs) and what we find attractive in men? Uh, (sighs) Nothing super surprising, but it's still just like unsettling how pronounced it is. Yes. And, like, to the point that Aaron is like, I'm not a man anymore if a woman that I'm into goes for this guy. Like, I will be emasculated by a man under 25 dating a woman I'm interested in. So Joey and Justin have, of course, come down with a double date card. Drink special today. A double shot of love, they say, in sync, of course. They... They like to lean into the twin thing, like Emily and Haley before them when twins come on television shows. Often they like to be professional twins. Yeah. So they start pulling women to chat with. Justin has a hilarious exchange with Florence where he's like, I love Europe. My family's Italian. I've never been to anything anywhere in Europe, but I just love the culture of Europe, the continent. He actually says that he is like, He's like, I'm from Italy. I mean, I've never been there. <laughs> you're like, you but, mean you know. your family's Italian is yeah. what you're saying. He, and he loves Flo the whole is, culture. is Dutch. So this is the, Europe is where they're connecting. I use the term connecting very loosely here. Yeah. 
Italy and the Netherlands, two countries that share the same unique (laughs) culture. And Joey pulls Shanae, who, despite her toothbrushing exploits, is like, I'm single. I am single. I'm very single. Some of us only share toothbrushes with people that we're in serious, committed relationships with. And other people never do. But for Shanae, it's just a casual thing. So these two ladies end up getting the dates. They are basically the only ones who are not... Express any openness. Yeah, who... Yeah. Yeah, everyone is pretty coupled up, as we may remember from the rose ceremony. (laughs) And Eliza certainly doesn't want to be getting into any more uh, situations. But they, they are... Among the older women on the beach, by which I mean they're older than 29, uh, Shanae is 30, Flo is 32, and they're just, I'm sorry, they're not as old even as plenty of the guys on the beach. And suddenly it's like Cougar City. Like, we'll see in the end if Tarzan isn't able to tame a wild cougar, Jacob says. I... I, I Shanae has a six-year age difference with these guys. I'll remind you again, the two, like, dreamy couples who are still together from Paradise last year are Joe and Serena and Mari and Kenny. Yeah. Mari and Kenny have a 15-year age gap. And while there was some comedy milked from these men being so old on the beach, like, I mean... Kenny is 40. We just won't, I don't think we're going to see a 40-year-old woman on the beach in my lifetime. They were romantic couples. Like, they were treated as romantic. They went on romantic dates. Like, they had romantic music playing behind their scenes together. You know, they were treated as romantic pairings. And from the start, Joey and Justin and Shanae and Flo are treated as just like a comic sideshow. The theme of which is like, can you imagine these older women with these young young men that's so ridiculous everyone on the beach is just like good luck to these guys they can't handle flow she's gonna roast them like these are very older very opinionated strong-minded women these guys they're going to be surprised it is the weird twin thing where it's like kate is 33 and logan is 26 right but he's over 25 so i guess he's an adult now Just the, the, yeah, I don't know. The gender stuff there, with age. The it's way just that all very the men weird. all were just like, these, these kids aren't going to be able to handle these grown women. I was like, there is some weird sort of like defense or like protectiveness of their dating turf. That's just like, you haven't earned the right to date adult women. I get to date whoever I want. Older, younger, <laughs> 21-year-olds if I want. It's fine. 18-year-olds, that's allowed. <laughs> but like a guy isn't allowed to date in my dating pool until he's at least old enough to rent a car. It really comes <laughs> off that way. It's like they're almost yeah. like afraid that these older women will actually enjoy going on a date with a Yeah, man like, who's oh, 24. they might have have fun. They're like, I'm no, like, I'm I bet I'm sure they won't. Let Florence have some fun. She hasn't really gotten to date anyone. Yeah. Like no one's ever like, oh, that 24-year-old sweet young thing, she can't handle that 32-year-old man. They're like, that's exactly the right dynamic. Why can't it go the other way? I want Flo to have fun. And you know what? Know. They do have fun. Their date is at a little outdoor bar. Wells leads them in <laughs> cantina games. This is a janky date. I'm sorry. This is made up. They don't give a bullshit. shit. <laughs> yeah. They were just like, we're scraping the barrel. These people are all our clowns. And we're yeah. going to treat them as such. But mm-hmm. I will say, all four of them lean into it. And they have a good time. 
Yeah. Like the women make some jokes at the beginning. Flo's like, am I his legal guardian during this date? Like, Which Shanae like I found kind of funny. Shanae does a little cougar like, <laughs> like I'm a cougar. But, you know, they all are like, we're here to have fun. We're doing body shots. We're doing shot skis. We're doing challenges like holding eggs in our butt cheeks while we kiss. And you know what? It's weird. We're all having a great time. These guys are actually a lot of fun and enjoyable to hang out with. And maybe I'm feeling a little spark with them. I'm like, oh, they're actually cute and they're actually nice. Yeah. That's fun. Florence also says something that to me, this is just so something that always comes up with women that I talk to, but never with men, which is like, sure, he's younger. That's fine. But I have a 28-year-old brother. So it's weird. I've never heard a guy be like, I can't date her. She's younger than my younger sister. But I I am not the only woman I know personally who would say like, oh, I have a younger brother that age. So I can't oh, date Oh, yeah. That no, I, I had that conversation. So I was like, oh, yeah, he's the age of my brother. No man has ever been younger than my brother. Men so. are very comfortable dating women <laughs> who they feel are akin to younger sisters in their power dynamic. But for, for women, it's just like, oh, no, not like my younger brother. That's weird. <laughs> They do, however, have nice little solo time together. Each they couple, out. they each end up making out. Good for them. Yeah, I love it. <sighs> now that we've had some fun, <laughs> it's time for Aaron and Genevieve to have another fight. They haven't fought for like 18 hours, so it's time. They're doing great. They're always just dangling on each other, kissing and snuggling, having a wonderful time. But Genevieve wants real time with Aaron to talk to him about her feelings because she's falling in love with him. And we get a little montage of Aaron <laughs> just having bro time instead. He's playing pool games. He's having goofy conversations. I think we have a little clip. It's like evolution still is in play. Think about rats. I think about rats in New York constantly, right? When it comes to this. And I, you see these videos of like a giant rat grabbing a pigeon and eating the pigeon. Yeah. Right? They're still figuring it out. And they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're grabbing pigeons and hunting for pigeons now. Right? Like that That's pigeon was just walking down through an alley and it's like, woof. That's not instinct, bro. Sure is, Lou. You guys just, you, you guys do need your time together. So I hope that you guys get that today. I'm trying. You don't want to hunt too high up the food chain because it's weird. You don't eat eagles, bro. You eat chicken, dude. (laughs) (sighs) I love that we're having Aaron's little, Aaron's fake science hour while Genevieve is just staring tensely and being like, we need time alone so I can tell this man that I'm in love with him. (laughs) I was like, wow, the incredible unearned authority with which Aaron is speaking about New York City's rat population. I was just absolutely dying. What? You don't see rats just constantly snatching pigeons out of the out of the air mid-flight and devouring them, leaving behind all these skeletons. Look, do I think that rats in New York City will out-survive all of us? Absolutely. This is their turf. On the other hand, they haven't grown so large. They they stay close to the ground. <laughs> they don't fly. Not big jumpers. And, you know, they kind of stay in their lanes. Their they've, lanes being the trash, the subway tunnels. They've evolved to hunt <laughs> like, pizza slices. I think we yeah. absolutely know that. So as this situation evolves, eventually the whole crew ends up hanging out together on like a big day bed, like cuddle puddle style. 
And Aaron turns to Johnny and suggests that they grab beers at the pool. And this is when Genevieve gets annoyed and sits up away from Aaron. Aaron clocks this. He sits up as well. And still sitting on the same like daybed as the whole group, but facing slightly away and talking in lowered voices, they start to have a huge fight, as you do. <laughs> and everyone just starts like... <laughs> one couple at a time like gracefully walking away like (laughs) let's leave them to fight Genevieve tells them to start she's like I I don't want to have a feeling and not tell you what I'm feeling which to an extent yes but I do want to say it's okay to sometimes have a feeling and not immediately communicate it well also some feelings are just your feelings and they're not productive to share well exactly on the whole Yes, share your feelings. But like, I'm going to say you don't need to express to your partner every single time they do something small and unintentional that annoys you. I will say, I think that Genevieve is trying to do this productively. She She frames it by like- I give her credit there. She's like, I'm just trying to be honest about how I'm feeling. Please don't like- Get upset. upset. It's not, I just want to share how I'm feeling right now, which is that I've been trying to have alone time with you all day. You're always with the guys. And just now you were like beers at the pool to Johnny. And I'm just frustrated because I want couple time together. And Aaron's reaction is basically that he just stares at her and then says, are you really doing this? Oh, that is where I knew this is going to go very badly. And she's like, oh, I'm I'm not allowed to feel that way. And yes, she's not. I think she's not, according to Aaron. He, and he really cannot like, handle it. He's like, why are you coming at me? Like, you're just coming at me like I did something wrong. You're making me feel like I'm failing you. Like, Aaron I, doesn't want to feel like he's ever, even unintentionally, done something that might not be good to his partner. And it's like, look, buddy, if you're going to be in a relationship and be a human— you're going to do things that unintentionally make your partner feel a certain way that isn't positive. Aaron has a narrative in his head that he always makes Genevieve feel good. And he is both threatened by that narrative because he's worried it's the only reason they're together, but also he is deeply attached to it. And whenever anything threatens that worldview, he freaks out. He's just like, no, I'm, I always make her feel good. Like, why is she making me feel like I don't make her feel good when I do? She's feeling good right now because of me and she won't admit <sighs> it. And so he's getting very defensive. He's like, you're the only person, woman here who's mad at a guy. I've been doing everything right. You constantly have to find a way to make something wrong with me and it just wears me down. I don't know how this can continue. I thought everything was fine and you made this from nothing. I This, this made me nuts because this completely and exactly mirrors the situation that he instigated the other day and what she did was she dropped everything she also got upset herself but she prioritized apologizing to him and being like i i feel bad that you felt that way and now the same situation is playing out in reverse and somehow that's also her fault and she needs to apologize and he has nothing to apologize for And, like, you wanted her to drop everything to tend to your little feeling, even though she didn't really do anything wrong. But you can't give her the same grace at all. You can't, you know, extend some understanding that even if you didn't maybe do anything wrong, she might still be upset. 
just right. like you were upset, even though she didn't really do anything wrong. And this is when we get the suggestion from Aaron that Genevieve is gaslighting him. And <sighs> truly gaslighting has no meaning anymore. And I need to yeah. throw myself into a pyre. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, this is she says, so frustrating. She says, sorry that I wanted 10 minutes with you. And he says, that's gaslighting. And she says, don't it's use not. that word. And he says, you're making me feel crazy for a totally normal thing. Don't say sorry for wanting 10 minutes. Say sorry for not telling me until you're upset. And I'm like, did she handle this entirely perfectly? I like probably not. But like you also didn't tell her that you were getting upset about something until she you were upset. Like that's just it happens sometimes. It's not gaslighting. It is not gaslighting. It's just a little miscommunication, a little argument, a little difference. And she tries to explain that she wasn't mad, that she just wanted to share her feelings. And he's like, so tell me you need to talk through some feelings, which she did, but he didn't actually receive it well. She's like, everyone is staring. He says, oh, that embarrasses you? And she says, no, it doesn't embarrass me. And he says, well, it embarrasses me. <laughs> it's like everything she says is somehow wrong. Like, he doesn't want her to be embarrassed that they're staring. But then when she's not, he's like, well, I am. So there was really no right answer. Everyone no. finally is gone and they're fighting alone. And he tries to tell her that she's just coming at him and making him feel like a failure. And I think we have a little clip of the next part of their conversation. That was like a thing. I'm coming at you. I you are. I'm just having, I mean, you are. I'm explaining my feelings. I'm not raising my voice. I'm not angry. And you don't have to. And, I, and if you did, I definitely wouldn't be talking to you right now, right? not speak to me like that, please. How, what do you mean? This is going in circles and it's very frustrating for me because you don't seem to grasp what I'm saying. You know, like we're same team here. Like really want it to work, right? Okay. And then he just gets up and leaves. He's like, see you up there. Like he's decided okay. <laughs> that well, the argument is over. he gets to control over. all the boundaries of the yeah. argument. So yeah. they kind of go off to individually lick their wounds. Genevieve is like, I wanted alone time because I wanted to tell him I'm falling in love with him. And now instead, we're in this like massive fight. Aaron repeats his gaslighting claim to Johnny, which is like, again, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. The way that he talks about her in this conversation infuriated me. He's like, she's like a bomb that will go off for any little thing. I'm like, Aaron, what do you think it's like dating you? Are I was going to say, the idea that Genevieve is more reactive than Aaron, like, if anything, they are the same. If anything, they are the same. And at least she is capable of apologizing and taking some accountability, almost, like, no. to a fault in their dynamic, yeah. I think, at least. And he's just a bomb that goes off when he feels like it, and he takes no accountability for the other side of the situation. He's Ugh. like, she gaslights me. She's like, you can hang out with your friends, and you can't talk to me for 10 minutes. That's not gaslighting. What about that description made you think that that was gaslighting? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he really just feels, I think, secure that she really likes him. He's like, this all is coming from how much she likes me, and she's bugging on me. She's like putting me through all this. She's wearing me down, which is what he says whenever a woman he's dating like has an emotion or isn't catering well, he's to him the in some way. He's the perpetual victim. He's always being worn down by a woman's feelings or needs. And but he's like, she's so into me. That's why this is happening. So like, I'm just going to wait for her to cool down. Victoria is going to tell her to calm down and like make up with me. It's all going to be fine. 
But Genevieve is already calm, but in a way where she's calm because she's decided that it's over. So she is like hiding in the women's bathroom and telling Victoria through the door that Aaron said she was gaslighting him, flipped out on her. And she's like, we just don't get each other. It's over. I need to go. And Victoria keeps trying to to actually talk her down and convince her to make up with Aaron, which I personally think is a terrible decision. <laughs> but I know. Uh, I think it's that thing where you just like you see your friends and you want them to be happy. And so you're just trying to be a fixer and you can't yeah. really it's hard to step back sometimes and see that like this is not a good dynamic. Yeah. Um, Genevieve, understandably, is pretty furious that Aaron has accused her of gaslighting. <laughs> and Victoria, hilariously, which just felt like such a meta moment to me, is like, he doesn't even know what that means. He's just using a buzzword. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. <That> is- <laughs> it has come full circle. Yeah. Even the the in the world of the show. The world of the show has now acknowledged that gaslighting no longer has any meaning within the world of the show. Yeah. And this is this is affirming to me. But despite all of this, Victoria is like, you love him, so you should stay and work it out. Just say you're sorry that you got in a fight. We should handle it like adults. And then, then if he doesn't take it well, then it's over. And uh, I just want Genevieve to run at this point. Like, I've just seen such a pattern in Aaron at this point where he... He has this image of himself as a perfect boyfriend, but he he is completely intolerant of women having any of their own feelings or inconvenient feelings or anger or needs or desires outside of him and affirming him. And he just like can't even see that that is he thinks he's the perfect boyfriend. He's so convinced of it. And any friction in a relationship, which is natural and happens, just threatens his his self-image in this existential way. And he just lashes out. And it's it's like I personally just think that there's a lot of work to be done before he's ready to like handle conflict in a mature relationship. But yeah. Victoria is still hopeful. She's like, you need to go talk to to Genevieve. And he's like, is she being crazy? Does she make sense? And Genevieve is like, like, fuck you, Aaron. She's like, no, she makes sense. I see both sides. And ultimately, however, despite having heard this, it is Genevieve who comes up to Aaron. Aaron does not seek out Genevieve, it seems, to talk to her. He also does not approach this conversation in a generous way <laughs> at all. You might He say. basically immediately is like, I was trying to decide if it was the right time for me. Oh, it's the right time for you, but it's t- we're yeah. two people. She's like, can Everything we talk? And he's like, uh, yeah. Why would you do that? He's a dick. It's just like and he's he needs putting to on a show control. of being undecided about whether he wants to talk to her. He could just be like, I need another minute. I'm sorry. He's basically like, everything doesn't have to always be exactly when you want it. And this understandably sets Genevieve off. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I did what Victoria said. He didn't approach this conversation. This isn't going well. And I'm leaving. And she she has already packed her bags. So she just leaves while the women go to like chase after her. She literally storms off shouting, tell him I'm leaving. Like she literally was going to sit him down to have this conversation, either to be like, I'm sorry we fought, or perhaps more likely to be like, I'm leaving because... 
this isn't a good dynamic between us. He won't even have the conversation with her. So she's just leaving. And I wish he had let her get out the door yeah. but and into that van. Unfortunately, he does eventually rouse himself to follow her and intercepts her just before she leaves for good. He like fucking ambles over there and is like, what's going on? And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, what's going on? Like, Aaron, why are you trying to play it cool right now? Like, let her go or don't. But then things escalate quickly. He's like, you know, this is all your fault for, you know, why that conversation went badly because you asked why I hesitated and whatever I said was going to make you mad. And she says, you always think I'm mad. You don't know how I feel. And he says, everyone does. And I think that was a very revealing little bit of the conversation. All her feelings are received as anger. And he feels like that is just objectively true and that he is allowed to say what her feelings are. Like, even when she's like, you don't know how I feel. He's like, yeah, I do. And you're transparent and you don't have ownership over your own feelings. I'm like, it's crazy how like Aaron has gotten me completely on Genevieve's side because with Justin, I was like, she is handling this so poorly. And now everything she does, I'm just like, well, of course she is. Aaron is being awful. (laughs) I mean, look, in a lot of ways, they have similar tendencies, but because Aaron is a man, they are deployed in different ways and they have like different permission structures that they're working within. And It really escalates. Suddenly, Aaron is, like, nearly in tears. He's telling her that he just wants to relax and have fun with the boys and give her a kiss. And on the worst day in his life, he'll look back and wish he was back here. What the fuck is happening? This is horrible. It didn't need to be this. And now that it is, I pray you have a great life, and I truly wish you the best. But I'm not going to threaten my happiness. What the fuck are you talking about, Aaron? I just have so many question marks written I was just like, I don't even know what any of this means. And Jen, Genevieve is like, I'm not asking you to threaten your happiness. And Aaron says, you do. I'm not happy right now. And she says, I'm not happy either. And this should have been a cue. Neither of you are happy. This yeah. isn't serving you. This it's needs also to end. wild to me that at this point, he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry I did that to you then. Like, didn't he pick up on the fact that she like, wasn't she's been happy? very clearly unhappy. It's like he, he thinks that this is like something that she's enjoying doing to him. And that she wants this to be the vibe of their relationship because she enjoys it. Well, yeah, he is always the victim, so he can't take any ownership of this dynamic. Yeah. But at this point, Genevieve breaks down and is like, yesterday, I realized I was falling in love with you. And that's why I wanted alone time, because I wanted to tell you this. And this is what kind of brings Aaron's anger down. Yeah. And he's like, oh, she's in love with me. Like, (sighs) yeah. She says also, like, when I brought your emotions to you, the way you reacted was, like, to tell me it all had to be on my time. And you just, like, the way you talked to me was so awful. And I really wanted her to, like, hold on to that through the next part of this conversation, which is Aaron being like, oh, you're falling in love with me. Deep feelings are so difficult and hard to express. And you can hurt me so much because I care. Because I'm falling in love with you, too. You should stay. And I'm like, Genevieve, remember a second ago when you were talking about how you brought your delicate, vulnerable emotions to him and he treated you like shit? Like, do you want to remember that? No, you're back together. No, because all of these people have internalized a toxic idea that volatility means true love. Yeah. Eliza and Victoria are listening to this exchange from afar being like, you know what? 
only people that really love each other fight like this. And wow, I really maybe they are meant disagree. to be together. <laughs> and like uh, when they finally kiss, Eliza and Victoria are like whooping. They're like, sometimes you just have to threaten to leave. Ha ha. I'm just like, imagine looking at your relationship with Rodney and being like, but I, what I want is, is what Aaron and Genevieve have. I can't. No, you don't. It sucks. It's so bad. And in her, in the moment, Genevieve is like, I guess what it took for us to tell each other our real feelings was six bags, two friends, a lot of yelling, and a van waiting outside for me. This is not a good precedent to set. That is not good. And Uh, even Michael is like, they are Sid and Nancy. And I feel confident that they could have a good life outside of this. And I'm like, like, oh, yeah, just like Sid and Nancy. Sid and Nancy had a good life? Until he murdered her. She was 20. She was 20, and then he overdosed. They like, had a no really had great a good time life. until she got stabbed, probably, by him. And that's And then he also story. died. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't goals. And that is where we leave this episode on that <sighs> disturbing note. I think it is time for love to see it, hate to see it. Every week, it's like the love to see it's are such small moments that I have to struggle to remember. And the hate to see it's are just like most of the show, just like this broad theme that encapsulates most of the show. Exactly. Let's start with love to see it. I did love to see Kate slowly becoming disillusioned with Hayden over the course of their date. Absolutely. Absolutely love to see it. I also love to see Shanae and Flo slowly opening up to the idea of dating a 24-year-old over the course of their dates. Look, these ladies deserve to have some fun. We've been told we can't do it as older women, but let me tell you, we're allowed. Well, I'm, you know, they are allowed. Aaron, love to see him speaking with wild, unearned authority about New York City's rap population. Only thing I enjoyed from him this week. Yeah, that's just the content (laughs) that I crave from Aaron, frankly. And now it's time for Hate to See It. First, absolutely hate to see the show continuing to pit the OG and new women against each other, even when they aren't fighting at all. They're just, like, creating new new yeah. ways to compare them. Especially hate to see the way that the bits of that conflict that are shown and the edit are made to play up the idea that women, like, having bodies or mess associated with that or, like, eating Ew. is disgusting and, like, comically repulsive. Women have bodies. Women have mess. Guys, it's just... They also eat food. They're just <sighs> humans like men. <laughs> also hate to see yet another, like, indigenous people as mystical saviors, cultural appropriation date. We have been over this. It sucks. It's gross. It's othering. Like, do better, Bachelor in Paradise. I really hated to see Hayden using his precious paradise time to talk shit about Gabby and Rachel. Like, what are you doing, my man? Great, great own goal. Also, as we have discussed a lot this episode, we hated to see the truly toxic controlling dynamics in a relationship, especially from a man toward a woman, being framed as romantic and as a sign of true love. This is just a really damaging belief and... This is a harmful idea to perpetuate. Yeah. I personally hated to see the way that when two men who are twins in their early 20s showed up on the beach, they were just 
completely treated as like a circus sideshow, like silly children. And then all the women like immediately become cougars because they're not younger than every man on the beach. Like, this is so wildly different from how it is treated when there is a 24-year-old woman, when there are female twins. And it's so revealing of what is valued and sexually prized in men and women and how that tends to put women in the role of, like, a younger, less experienced, less powerful person. And men are the reverse. And, ugh, just hate it. Now it's time for our steaminess rating out of 10 margarita hot tubs. I'm going to give this one a six. Like we got some makeouts, some body shots, some romantic dates, but also we got a lot of really toxic dynamics. And again, I just can't get all hot and bothered when there is that much terrible fighting. Yeah. Also, I got to say, I just like don't find body shots sexy. So they leaned a that's little true. heavily on that this episode. And I was like, that's not doing it for me. That's I think a really, really is, good point. Is generous and kind of us. <laughs> Maybe a 5.5. <laughs> Let's downgrade it. And on that note, that is it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray, and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv, and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, tell all your friends about our show. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clareandemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We will be back next week for more VIP. Stitcher. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.